This is Kyle McCord, and you're listening to Austin, Felix, and Matt on the Debbie Debate. Welcome to the Debbie Debate. All right, boys. Are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back tonight. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand. <laughs> you jumped up and... That's Austin Nate. Who is going to be that guy? And for me, B. John Robinson is still going to be that guy. Back to the ground with Robinson, who spins and then tries to bounce it. A stiff arm, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance. They're going to say he stepped out, but I'm... I'm feeling sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. Screener draw. Oh, Wilson is going to uncork for the end zone. And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. That's Matt Brody. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I whacked poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time it's Fields on the carry. Watch out! Justin Fields! Hello, Columbus! 51 yards! Bruno, are you ready to go head-to-head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Hold on. Gotta continue. I got it. Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher. Um, well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. Uh, our apologies for Kirk Street and Atlanta. Time will get to rescheduled soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin A, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. Austin, you developed a theory that has been kind of instrumental in how we look at the wide receiver position. Chris Moxley, you expounded on that theory. I think we talked about it a little bit last year around this time, Um, but we need to get back into it because we've got a new audience. We've got more people tuning in and more people are playing campus to Canton and Debbie leagues for the first time. Austin, what is a year one zero? Yeah, Chris did a really, really good job kind of narrowing this down to more than just a theory. He he really put some numbers behind it, which was great. So the year one zero theory is is a a look at wide receivers to help us basically determine the pool of players that we are interested in for for Debbie purposes for making it to the NFL um, after after their first year in school. We kind of already have the pool established. Uh, by then and basically the the theory is that a player that does just absolutely nothing as a freshman like not even getting on the field not contributing in any meaningful way to an offense like it it, the the odds of them developing into something are are very very small um even you know these aren't even guys that like we're the traditional um definition for like a wide receiver breakout is like a 20 percent market share these these thresholds that we've developed for what these guys need to do as freshmen aren't even in the ballpark uh, of a 20% breakout. Th- these are the thresholds that a player needs to hit. You can hit any one of these and you go into the pool that we're interested in. So it's 10 receptions, a hundred receiving yards, five rush attempts, 15 rush yards, one rushing touchdown, 
10 total touches from scrimmage, 115 scrimmage yards, or five punt slash kick returns. And these are kind of surrogates for, for playing time, but also not really because there are some guys that play a decent amount and they just don't do anything. Um, but but we want to see these guys do a little bit of something as freshmen. So we developed this theory. We We put some numbers behind it. Chris went back to 2005, went the whole way through 2019, and here's kind of what he came up with. The results by NFL fantasy hit rate for freshman wide receivers that hit one of these categories. If a player hits one of at least one of them, the odds of them having at least a top 36 fantasy season in the NFL, 17.4%. If they hit none of them, 3% that they hit that. Top 24 season, a wide receiver 2 season, 12.8% if they hit one of these thresholds, 2.2%. If they don't, and then for a top 12 season, a wide receiver one season, players that hit one of these categories, at least one of these categories, hit at an 8.1% rate, and those that do not, a 1.1% rate. So the odds are astronomically bad if a player does not hit one of these thresholds. It's just a very useful tool for us to kind of say, there's 100 wide receivers coming in this year that we're interested in. 27 of them do this or whatever. There's our pool. We already can get rid of 73 of these guys. It's just very, very useful for kind of narrowing the pack early on and, and helping us focus ourselves. So in this class, Luther Burden, Evan Stewart, uh, uh, Matthew Golden, that's the class of players that we're talking about where we're looking for them to hit these thresholds. Is that right? That is, yeah. We, we look at all of them as a, as a freshman class. And and realistically, Chris uh, decided we, we cut this off at players that are top 300 in the 24 seven composite. And that's just because after those players, the odds of like getting even drafted to the NFL drop precipitously. So we're, we're already kind of narrowing the field by we're, we're looking at guys that are basically like high three stars or higher. Cause these are the kind of kids that with how high school football is nowadays, like they should be ready to go to college and do a little bit of something as freshmen. And if you guys don't want to, you know, do that research yourself, we have a nifty little tracker on campus to Canton.com. Really cheap to get in here, and we follow all that stuff for you. You can go look at Jarek's pretty little graph, and it tells you who's hit exactly what thresholds and how close they are to hitting the thresholds so you can find out if they're going to be a year one zero or not. Like, yeah, I'm great. Mox, I mean, Mox, you've so, done a lot to expound on this theory. What do you want to add about year one zeros? Yeah, I don't want people to get conf it conflated with the idea that because you're not a zero, you're an auto hit. I think that's like a bad takeaway to, to have. I think the takeaway that you really want is it just increases your odds. And my perspective when drafting players or uh, targeting players is find the guy who is the least likely to bust. That any way you can eliminate uh, a bad mark on someone's profile or eliminate them because of that pro that whatever the reason is this case happens to be year one zero. That's a great tool for doing so just eliminate the risk of busting period. And I think you're going to be better off than not. Well, of course, in that the next natural question is to ask about players from this class who have, I guess we should start for, for the players that, are currently year one zeros, meaning that they have not hit the threshold to this point. Can you guys give us some names, some of the more surprising names on that list? I don't think there's a ton of 
surprising names at this stage. I actually think all the guys that we pretty much assumed would hit have by this point or are pretty close to doing so. Um, but there are some prominent names that I think, and, and for, this is only five weeks into the season. We still have seven weeks. It's not quite panic time yet, but I would be monitoring for some of these guys that we're about to mention. If they aren't getting snaps and it's not trending in the correct direction for them to start seeing some snaps over the next couple of weeks, it's time to have a discussion. For instance, CJ Williams, the freshman wide receiver <laughs> at USC was an all American this year. had a pretty good game actually uh, in the all American uh, bowl or whatever they're calling it nowadays. Uh, went to USC. We, we figured, you know, that's not a great receiving room. It's a high powered Lincoln Riley offense. This is a guy that could probably get on the field early. Well, CJ Williams has done basically nothing. I think he has one catch at this point. He's not close to any of the thresholds. And his snaps since week one are actually trending down. He's a guy that I'm actually very concerned about that I would be trying to sell soon because USC's schedule is fairly tough coming up. They don't have a lot of games where you'd think that maybe he would get in in a blowout and catch a couple of passes. Um, they, besides Colorado and maybe Arizona, they don't have those games on their schedule coming up. So a guy like CJ Williams is concerning. Uh, Andre Green. I want to ask. I want to. That's exactly where I was going to go because he's a prominent Andre Green, North Carolina, very athletic player. Was raw coming in. How is he looking uh, on the year one scale? He's another guy that that snaps have gone down. So have targets. He's barely getting on the field at all anymore. We talked a lot about he him being a very raw player coming into college that he would probably need a little bit of time. Um, but it's not, it's, it's concerning that like, he can't, he's not like, I, I don't even think he's registered a stat this year. Like he doesn't have a single catch at this stage. He has not, he, they're not like, like you would think a guy that's raw, they're basically going to put him out there. and going to say, you're just such a good athlete. Like we'll either run a go bubble screens or just run a yeah. go route. Yeah. And he's not even getting targets in any of those situations. Like it, it, he is a guy that I would be very concerned about. He also, like that's a wide receiver room who's had a bunch of injuries too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like outside of Josh Downs, they've had some serious depth problems. They've thrown Kobe Pesor out there. Uh, Antoine Green is playing a huge role, and he can't crack that lineup. We knew he was raw, but I mean, seriously. What about Taylor Shetron? Very athletic boundary type wide receiver at Oklahoma State. I don't think that we've seen him had the impact that we thought he would. Um, what about him? Um, he's the one guy so far that is the most surprising to me. I do think that as the season goes on in a good way or a bad way, bad way. Um, I thought he would be close by now. Um, if not already hitting them, cause that wide receiver room at Oklahoma state's not very good. I do have some hopes that the coaching staff there will play him a little more as the year goes on. For instance, a guy like Jaden Bray last year started off the year like he not really contributing at all. And by the end of the year, he was getting uh, a good amount of snaps. I am hopeful that Talon Chetron uh, is on the same path. He was a guy that I really, really liked, but definitely a red flag uh, if he's not getting close here in a couple weeks. I mean, he's not even getting <clears throat> snaps either, unfortunately. He's only played in one game. I think it was in week two or three. I mean, there's I mean, you got him. Keon Grays is a guy that we a couple of us had ranked fairly highly. Ohio State kid thought would get some run in these blowouts, and they're just not throwing the freshman out there. They're they're keeping these second string guys in. He's not getting anything. Um, you know, I had DJ Allen very high. I thought he would he, I don't think he's taken a snap for TCU 
five games into the season. So he's another one just personally for me is a massive red flag. Cause I mean, I know it's not huge threshold. You have to pass to get passes, but you got to hit on the field and he's not doing that. A lot of these guys path is on kick returns. That's actually a fairly easy one, especially for some of these uh, really, really, really good athletes that maybe aren't great receivers yet. And that's, that's, that is kind of a pathway for a lot of them. But I mean, so a guy like Ray's, I thought might get, five punt returns this year throughout the course of the game. last year last week was infuriating watching Ohio State because they just continued to run the ball no matter what in that game when they got up by a ton and I was like put put a couple of these freshmen in and get them a couple catches here like let's get them on the way to, to one of these things here and just they weren't doing it and I mean you talk about wide receiver cores that have been hurt like Shaz Preston hasn't done much either unfortunately I mean we saw Bond at least at get Alabama. a little bit of run yeah at Alabama's yeah Shaz Preston wide receiver at Alabama like he hasn't gotten any either so he's he's another one I think that's kind of concerning the the other thing that I'll bring up is the path for a lot of these guys is not stepping in and being a contributor during um competitive game action a lot of the times it's there that they get thrown out when the game is super out of hand and they make a big play here or there against players who aren't athletic or are as athletic or you know like admit it's a huge mismatch that's the path for a lot of these guys a lot of these guys aren't playing meaningful snaps here one being rewarded for your work off the field the skill that you've shown in practice what you're doing etc all builds up into being in that second rotation when the game's out of hand i think that speaks a lot to um and i don't want to read into it too much but a player's work ethic and how impressed coaches are in practice they're rewarding those guys but i think you can read between the lines about some of those players like some of them just aren't playing meaningful snaps and that's fine totally fine this metric does not discriminate between the two for that yeah. reason specifically I think what has to be even more concerning about some of the players we just named is we're already into conference play. Yeah. You're not yeah. going to see that many blowouts now. So at this point, we may not see many, if any of these guys now get on the field, even in blowouts, because you're not typically like, was it Alabama might blow out an SEC opponent here or there? Ohio State might blow out a Big Ten opponent here or there, but I don't think Oklahoma State's going to do it. So where does that put Shetron? Like, I don't think TCU, I mean, TCU's been putting up points, but I don't know that they'll do that every single week. So what's that going to mean for DJ Allen? Like, there's a lot of guys I think we could see <laughs> We were very high on in our freshman guide, showed a lot of talent, liked the landing spot, a lot of spring hype on some of these guys, and then they may come out as year one zeros, which, I mean, I know we say you don't want them. I, I don't know that you 100% fade them, but at this point, you kind of have to look at them like, oh, what do we do with them then at this point? Austin, some other names on that list. Any, any other prominent names that have not crossed the threshold? Uh I mean, Adam Randall hasn't yet at Clemson, but I when I, I did like a huge tweet thread this week, kind of just going through status for guys. There's a category that I said, like, these guys don't have a lot of stats yet, but I think by the end of the year, they'll get close. Adam Randall was one of those. So was Shetron. Caden Saunders, who is a pretty highly rated kid who went to Penn State this year, but he's not even the leading freshman receiver there at Penn State at the moment, uh, and they don't throw the ball a ton, so he's a little bit concerning. Um, some higher rate, like Tobias Merriweather is a mystery to me because he's at Notre Dame mm -hmm. and they have zero wide receiver depth and he's not playing uh, at all there. A couple of kids at Michigan that aren't playing at all. The one name that I actually want to highlight, because I think if you look at the guys that have hit like a top wide receiver season, they are mostly really weird profiles. Like it's the names that you would expect. I think it's like DK Metcalf, who was hurt, Jarvis Landry, and then I think Tyreek 
or like the three, the kind of odd profiles. The name that I actually want to circle that is an odd enough profile that I think uh, his year one zero-ness wouldn't scare me that much. It's actually a guy that I, I've been off on at, at cost, Emmanuel Henderson, the running back turned wide receiver at Alabama. I've not been a fan of his game. I think we've all talked about this all offseason. Like he he was listed as a running back. We were like, this kid's not a running back. Like he's probably a wide receiver. He's probably going to have to make that shift. He has made that shift. He's not getting any playing time this year. He's not going to get any playing time this year. But he's the kind of guy that like by year two, year three, if he kind of figures that out, he has the athletic talent and the pedigree that I could see him ending up doing something in the NFL. So he's a pedigree where I think his if his cost decreases enough this offseason, then he I'll probably try to buy him. But the rest of the guys on this list, I am unfortunate, unfortunately probably fading and just moving on to the next class. Uh, Emmanuel Henderson, who was the second ranked running back in the class, according to 24-7 Sports, very much built like a uh, wide receiver. They only used him on or prominently used him in high school on stretch plays where they could get him out, outside. We have no idea what he's going to look like as a wide receiver. Is he a slot guy? Is he a boundary guy? You know, what? how can he be used? But it could it could potentially be a buy low because I think that people are going to be very much off of Emmanuel Henderson after he's had the position switch. And we've seen other freshmen at Alabama get playing time. Kobe Prentice, Isaiah Bond. Those guys have been on the field, and uh, Henderson has not. So, by, And by the way, we never listed the guys that have hit these thresholds at this point. So I, I'm going to do that now really quickly. And yeah. I just want to add in when I do that here that Chris found that players that hit a bunch of these uh, eight thresholds, like four or more, tend to be more likely to hit later, Like, which makes sense. You know, if they're, they're kind of being that, – that, that means they're probably seriously factoring into an offense at that point if, you know, they're – they're getting rush attempts and they have 10 receptions and, and, and you know, over 100 receiving yards and all these things. So, so here are the non-zeros through five weeks. This is the pool of Debbie wide receivers that we are interested in today from the 2023 or the 2022 recruiting class. Luther Burden at Missouri, Evan Stewart at Texas A&M, Tet McMillan, who's at Arizona, Isaiah Bond, who's at Alabama, Antonio Williams at Clemson, Kobe Prentice, Alabama, Jordan Hudson, TCU, Barry and Brown, Kentucky, Dane Key at Kentucky, Matthew Golden, who's at Houston, and Jeremy Bernard, who's at uh, Michigan State. So that those are all good. Players that have hit a bunch of those, though, this year that have already hit four plus, Luther Burden, who's hit five out of eight, and then Evan Stewart, Tet McMillan, Antonio Williams, Barry and Brown, Matthew Golden and Dane Key have all hit four. So those are like the really, really, really interesting names thus far. And guys that I think, I mean, the only really surprising name on that list might be Key, right? I think everybody else we kind of figured was going to probably do that. Mox, anything you want to add, Mox, on, on those names that have hit? No, I, I'll just say that Austin kind of nailed why we want to target – Players who've hit multiple thresholds. Uh, a lot of the time, a lot of time that speaks to the dynamism of a player. So if you're being used in different facets, you are probably a more dynamic player than a, a guy who's hitting like the yardage threshold or uh, um, a reception threshold. When you have multiple different categories, probably more dynamic. Luther Burden's a great example. Like I think his first two touchdowns of the year were rushing touchdowns. That speaks to me as a guy who's just super dynamic. Anything else, Matt? 
I was going to say, I think Ted McMillan is surprising as well, but you're surprised by him. I, I mean, I figured he wouldn't be at a, a zero, but yeah, I just think the fact that he's hit multiple already, I think I wouldn't have expected him to hit multiple in that offense, but he's done good, but key is definitely the most surprising. And I do want to soapbox this. Nobody is talking about Antonio Williams at all. We need to be talking about Antonio Williams at Clemson, a kid that I love. I think he's really, really good. He's sneaky. He's leading Clemson in receptions, and he's second in yardage. And go find how many people are talking about Antonio Williams right now. Nobody is talking about him. He is a huge buy for me right it's now. I thought, I thought he might hit the punt kick threshold, and I thought that might be it as a freshman. He is a featured part of this offense. It's too late now, though. You already said the name. Sorry. Go by him. We are tracking this information at campusdecan.com, and I believe the uh, easy-to-read charts are available to NIL so members. It's only NIL members, so if you don't want to pay $79.99 a year, which is also the cheapest option, in my opinion, because you get all three guides for free, which are $20 each, you just pay $7.99 a month. Get in. There well, we got new listeners, Matt. Guys. So let's let's walk through this. Uh, oh, you can get in at campuscan.com yes. at any of three levels: two ninety nine, four ninety nine, or seven ninety nine a month. Or you can pay for uh, the year, and you get a little bit of a discount at the NIL level. You get a copy of the Devi Guide, the Freshman in Supplemental Draft Guide, and the CFF Guide. Those are all available at campuscan.com right now. For $20, but you can get them as a part of your subscription package for $79.99 plus uh, access to the NIL Discord. Kind of first access to all of the things that we're doing at campuscan.com to improve the website. Um, so realistically, so you you're paying $19 a year because you're getting all three of those guys. So if you want to support what it is that we're doing, jump in at any level. 99% of our content is free. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us on YouTube. And listen to us on the Better Sports app Saturday mornings from uh, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. We will be there this Saturday getting you ready for the, the slate of games, the Saturday slate of games. The thing that we are going to do tonight is get ready for this 2023 rookie class. Since we started this podcast back in November of 2020, we said that the 2022 class was not the class that you wanted to be invested in, that 2023 was. And despite, you know, what Mike Valerie says, this is a Debbie, well, he's right. It's supposed to be a Debbie podcast. So we should probably uh, start getting into and in, in refreshing people on what this class is going to look like. I think we're going to go three rounds here. Is that right? We're going to go three rounds here because this class is fairly deep. So you boys better get your rankings out. Um, and uh, yeah, let's go super flex tight end premium. Okay. And we've done uh, pick assignments. And I think Chris Moxley, you're first up. This should be an easy one. Well, I mean, maybe it's not an easy one because you got the quarterbacks, you got the elite running back there. Let's see where you go. So I am a – I don't draft quarterback early in Superflex most of the time. I I think that you can get value on the edges, and I think that even though we haven't seen great running back play this season, I think that that's going to parlay itself into championships. I am taking Texas running back B. John Robinson with the first pick. He is your favorite running back's favorite running back. 
that's how good he is. People are already asking on Twitter, uh, where does B. John Robinson rank in Dynasty? And it's it's usually no lower than two. No lower than it, two. I don't think you can put him above Jonathan Taylor, but I guess I wouldn't have a huge argument against it. But I think he's the only one you put there with B. John, personally. Matt Bruning, you are next. So I was really hoping Moxley wasn't going to go with Bijan. So I will take my QB one Bryce Young. I don't have massive belief that him or Stroud are going to be huge for you fantasy at the next level. I think they profile more as like QB 13 to 18 types because neither one I think is going to bring you a ton of rushing production. But Bryce Young just has something different about him. He is a gamer in those big games when the bright lights are on. He has those moments. I think that translates to the NFL. Um, so give me him. I mean, I think he's going to be one of the top three picks in the NFL this year. I'll take the value. Yeah, and the other top three pick, I think, in the NFL, it's going to be Will Anderson. It's going to be Bryce Young. And I think C.J. Stroud is going to be right there. I talked about C.J. Stroud a little bit on the Undrafted podcast on the Undroppables Network today. C.J. Stroud, we need to protect him. I don't know that he is great as an improviser or off script, but if you protect that dude, he will carve you up, and he is very good between 8 and 15 yards. These passes that are uh, low trajectory, they travel between 15 and 20 yards, but they don't go anywhere, you know, up above seven yards off the ground. He's great in that area. He's also great deep, and that's one of the reasons why I like him. He's one of these players that I hope a team with a good supporting cast trades up to get him, just like uh, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs traded up for Patrick Mahomes. Because if he goes to the Texans or if he goes to, you know, a team that doesn't have a whole lot around him, I don't think it's going to be a very good look. But if he goes to the Detroit Lions with that speed, with Jamison Williams and DJ Chark and Amon Ronsay Brown and TJ Hawkinson, I think that he could walk in as a rookie and be a top 15 fantasy quarterback. I really do. And that offensive line, one of the reasons why Jared Goff is playing so well was because that offensive line is protecting him. They've invested a lot in it. So I've got C.J. Stroud here at number three, and I feel good about it. I can't wait to have a serious discussion about C.J. Stroud here eventually. Today's not the show, but I want to I want to sit down and have a long talk with, uh, with you, Mr. Sharp, about C.J. Stroud. Okay. All right. Where was this when Felix wanted ideas earlier? I had I had to say exactly. football because I, I really I'm I stalling for you guys. And... I don't want to bring up like let's have a conversation about CJ Stroud on the Ohio State narrative because I think something with Ryan Day's offensive system is going to play into that. But that's not the discussion we should have here. I want to talk to Felix about it and then we'll maybe do that on air. That's a teaser, and we can't tease the audience like that. So tune in next week, and we will be talking about it. All right. Or we'll talk about a little bit in the air show if we have one. All right, Austin. Te- let's go. Tempted by a couple names here, and I think there's a, I think there is a cutoff after the third player. I think there are some intriguing running backs here that I really like. Don't get me wrong; this is not a a fall off a cliff, but I think there's definitely, uh, you know, a, a step off a porch here that that you're making when you go down. I'm gonna take Zach Evans. Mm. We talked a little bit about this in the discord or at least i i casually mentioned it and i did not go into a ton of detail 
I think Evans has surpassed Gibbs for me slightly for a couple of reasons. And the big one is that while I really think that Gibbs might actually be the better player, if he does not go to the correct spot, I think he is much more landing spot dependent than Zach Evans is. So if I'm drafting today and I don't know where either of these guys are going to land, like would Alvin Kamara have been Alvin Kamara if he didn't go to a place like the Saints where Sean Payton was smart enough to really be like, you know, like let's get this guy out in space and, and let's get him a ton of targets and let's use him like that. I, I, I would presume if a team is drafting Jameer Gibbs in the range that he needs to go for you to draft him, that you plan on using him that way. But I don't think it's a guarantee. Whereas Zach Evans looks more like a bell cow and plays more like a bell cow that the NFL will like, even though he doesn't necessarily handle a bell cow workload, which I think will be a talking point. I, I would prefer Evans without knowing a landing spot because I think he is less dependent on that. And he has a very good, very efficient, um, very visually appealing running back stylistically. I really enjoy watching him. So I'm going to take Evans, even though I'm not sure if he's a better football player than Gibbs is. Is he a better peer runner than Bijan? Because I said that in in in. Felix so, kind of looked at me like I was saying something crazy. I think Bijan is the when? better talent. I said this, uh, it was either on College Fantasy Tonight or on Debbie Debate like a week ago. I said, I think he's a better peer rusher than Bijan Robinson. You kind of looked at me like I was, you know, spouting Justin Fields nonsense again. Like, I, I, Bijan is incredibly athletic and I think he's the overall better player. But I think running wise, like Evans has much better vision. He's just the overall better runner than what Bijan actually is. And he's so, a little bit of a glider. He's one of these curvier linear movers where you don't see a b- bunch of prominent cuts and stuff, but you blink and he's at the second level. He's he's very much that type of runner. So here's here's my thing on Bijan, which has always been my Bijan over Travion argument, and I think this year has really highlighted that. Bijan's most underrated skill is the fact that no matter what, he will turn a tough run that looks like it's going to be a yard into four or five. Almost every single time he is so dang good at getting those garbage, garbage yards. So that as I think what separates like Evans can't do that. Evans might be like, you know, I guess if you want to just talk about like efficiency of movement and some of these things. Yeah, maybe Zach Evans is a slightly better runner, but he can't do those things that Bijan can, which I think is very valuable to an NFL team. It's very valuable to a fantasy team. Those yards will add up over the course of a season. Yeah, I just I think Bijan dances too much though too, and that's part of the problem in the backfield. That I think that's what causes him to then do like in the Alabama game. There were times their holes were there, and you just got to shoot the hole and take your two yards. And he would dance around in the backfield, and then he's trying to avoid four or five defenders. Zach Evans or J.K. Dobbins? Dobbins. Like right right now, Zach Evans pretty easily. Dobbins. Well, it'd be Dobbins for me too because I think he was a better receiver. Oh, I think Evans is just as good as a receiver, but North, I just Austin, don't. You've got Dobbins, yeah, yeah. So, so he's potentially that we've drafted two players who might be RB ones as far as value uh, in the twenty twenty three class. I mean, it's already doing better than twenty twenty two. I don't, I don't think Zach Evans is a significantly worse player than Brees Hall. And what are we valuing Brees Hall as in terms of dynasty running, like RB five this offseason, RB six? Yeah, like, there's a huge need for. For RB talent, like I don't think Zach Evans should, assuming presuming he goes like no later than the middle of the third round, he should be a top ten to twelve back. 
Moxley, we're back to you. I would have taken Evans here as well. Uh, that's guy I really wanted. I didn't think he would he would make it back. So I'm looking at the board, and I think this is the drop-off spot for me. Maybe one more pick, and then you kind of have a different discussion about position. I will go Jameer Gibbs. Jameer Gibbs is my RB3 in the class. Zach Evans has jumped him. I really like what I've seen from Evans, just the body of work that he's put up. Just incredibly efficient runner uh, across two seasons, one of the best. Uh, even when we adjust for team and, and situation, just incredibly efficient. I'm really impressed by what I've seen from him. I have questions about Gibbs and Austin kind of alluded to it earlier. Like he needs to go to a good situation. I that's, that's the question mark. Probably the best receiver receiving back in this class. And probably if he was a receiver, a top, at least a top 10 receiver, uh, just a, an elite route runner. He's a mismatch. You can't really line up a linebacker on him. I don't think there's a linebacker that can cover him at the collegiate level. Currently this dude's just so electric. He's small though. He's probably 200, 205 pounds. Um, I think there's some questions about his ability to run through the tackles. That's not really his where he's going to excel. Uh, he's Aaron Jones, Alvin Kamara like. Like that's who you're getting with him. He needs to add weight, but he's an electric player who, if he goes in the second round, should probably be treated as an RB one in fantasy next year, just like the prior two. Uh, it, um, I was right about. Uh, Jeff Collins using him better at a passer than Alabama would because Jeff Collins was very creative in his usage and Bill O'Brien is not creative in his uses as a passer. Jeff Collins would deploy him down the field in the slot, you, you know, out of the backfield running option routes and arrow routes. And I have not seen that yet from Bill O'Brien. And that was a fear that I had, but regardless, you know, we still expect him to go day two at least. All right, Matthew, we're back around to you. This is a good draft. Yeah, this um, – man. After week one, this would have been Tank Bigsby for me because I think there's a little bit of a drop-off at running back, and I don't know that I really want to take a wide receiver here because I feel like outside of the top two, a lot of those guys are kind of in the same wide receiver – at best wide receiver two, more than likely wide receiver three or four profiles – but I will. T oh God, this. Uh, I'm gonna. St I'll, I'll take Butte. I still think he's the wide receiver one in this class. I still think he's got a shot to be. I'm still worried about the injury because he's not doing anything. It doesn't look great. Body language is horrible right now on the field. But I still think he has a shot to be on that Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson level. And the one thing I will say is the fact that he's not producing. Maybe that actually helps him in the fact that he does have like a Justin Jefferson esque like fall. And he's not drafted until the end of the first, which means he's likely going to a good team, a playoff team. So he's likely on a team that will succeed. Uh, so give me Kayshawn Boutte. I can't believe we're here at seven. I'm up here at seven. And there are a couple of names that I'm going to go through. Um, there's this. There's one a guy that I know can probably play anywhere, but then there's one specialist at wide receiver. And this is the the spot where I'm going to take wide receiver because I think that there's as many as three that will go in the first round. If I bet, I, I would bet that these three go in the first round. I'm going to take one of them that I think will go in the first round, and that's Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, the problem that I have with Jackson Smith and Jigba is that he is a, a slot wide receiver. Um, and so you think about the Cole Beasley scale, the uh, – uh, uh, who, who else? Golden Tate at one point. These are all players – Cooper Cup. These are all players 
who had success in their careers, but that success was very much associated with them matching with the right quarterback. Cooper Cup was not what we think of Cooper Cup now um, before he had Matthew Stafford. So my fear is that he'll go somewhere where the slot wide receiver is not utilized or emphasized or prioritized. And maybe we don't get the fantasy value that we are expecting. But on the other hand, if he, if he's the slot wide receiver for green Bay or for, um, you know, Detroit with a, a, a CJ Stroud at quarterback and they match him up somehow, it's going to be a lot of fun. So I I th- I think this is a good player, but he he has limitations and he has to be deployed in a specific way. That's the only way we've seen him have success, quite frankly, is in, is in the slot. So um, I could have gone another direction, but I'm going to go with Jackson Smith and Jigwa here, and it's back up to Austin. Austin, you're muted. We are doing a mock draft here. And uh, let me just recap here uh, because we have been going for a bit. Bijan Robinson, of course, number one. Bryce Young, number two. CJ Stroud, number three. Zach Evans, number four. Jameer Gibbs, number five. Kayshawn Boutte, number six. And I just took Jackson Smith and Jig, but we're going to go three rounds here. Uh, Austin, go ahead. I'm going to go Jordan Addison here. I think this is a difficult decision. I'm glad that I've upset Chris twice now. That hopefully means I'm doing something right. Um, I swore off Jordan Addison because he hurt me like my ninth grade girlfriend hurt me when she said she wanted to go to homecoming with somebody else. Um, and uh, Addison left for USC this summer in similar fashion. Um, but he's been incredible this year. Of all the top receivers, I think he's been the best this season. Um, I think he's extremely versatile. I think he could play slot or boundary in the NFL. He might not be an X. He might be more of a Z than, than an X, but I think he could play um, boundary or slot, which I think helps him out a lot. I think he can play short, intermediate, and deep. He's he's kind of evolved. Like He played really close to the line of scrimmage as a freshman, more intermediate as a sophomore, and then this year as a junior, he's he's winning deep with Caleb Williams there. He has doesn't have drop issues. He's got pretty good size. You might wish he was five to ten pounds heavier, but like at the end of the day, not not terrible. And he's got nice height. He's going to test um, above average athletically. He's kind of one of those shifty. Like he is, in my opinion, kind of just the Justin Jefferson mold. Like I don't think Devonta Smith is necessarily correct. I think he's more Jefferson. He's not as big as Jeff, like thick as Jefferson, which he's not as good of a prospect. But I, I think he's a really good player. I think he goes in the first round, probably a top twenty pick. Um, and I think he can lead a wide receiver. Would, would you have taken Jordan Addison over Jackson Smith and Jigba? No, but because I think JSN has the has the potential to be a PPR machine. And with most leagues being at least half PPR nowadays, I think that it's hard to pass up that kind of a guy. But I do think Addison might have like the better ceiling at the end of the day in air quotes. So. Well, I Moxley, think- I mean, you were shaking your head, yeah. But uh, and Matt, you're about to say agree. You would have. I don't know that I would have taken him over, Jason. I was going to say, I think he's the first wide receiver drafted this year. Yeah. And and that that way, in, in that case, I think he might be the first wide receiver coming off the boards in most rookie drafts because that's the way people will look at it. Come on come on down, Jacksonville Jaguar, Jordan Addison. I would love that. That'd <laughs> be great. I think that completes the Trevor Lawrence uh, glow up in everybody's eyes if you were to have him and Kirk uh, there together. Yeah, I think they'd be a good, a good match. I would have taken Addison above. I probably would have taken Addison above both Boutte and um, 
JSN for what it's worth. I think he's kind of put himself in the wide receiver one category. He feels but safer at least, right? He does. There's a lot of risk, I think, with Kayshawn's profile. And I think there's a lot of floor with JSN's profile. So take that for what what you will. Mox, you are up at pick nine. Yeah, so this is where I think there's a legit tier currently. Um, I think the top eight is pretty set, in my opinion. And there's a lot of different directions I can go with this pick. Um, and I've been back and forth on two guys, a receiver and a running back. And the running, both have disappointed this year. Both are very good athletes, and both are players that I expect to test well. And I am not ready to give up on this player, and I know this is an unpopular take, but I will take Quinton Johnston here. I believe that he is a first-round NFL wide receiver. He will be selected in the first round of the NFL draft. He is a good athlete. He's a fluid athlete. Excellent at the catch point. What are you finding a guy that's like 6'4 with his athleticism anymore? Like, those guys aren't coming around every day. I think Denzel teams will be Mims. really... Sorry? Denzel Mims? Denzel... Okay, whatever. Um, I think Johnston is still that guy. Uh, even though we haven't seen it, like there's so many impressive catches on his tape from last year that I'm very, I'm not quite ready to throw in the towel yet. And I think that he offers something that none of the other receivers offer. And I think that he slots in still as my wide receiver four. There's one other player who I think could be the wide receiver four. It's pretty close between the two, but I think his role was probably likely more limited at the NFL level. So, I will take Quentin Johnson because I believe the NFL will draft him in the first round. So, Who was that wide receiver from Pitt that went in the first round, you know, like 10 years ago, Austin? Baldwin. Who's Jonathan, Baldwin. Jonathan Baldwin. There we go. He, had he was terrible at Pitt. When people were talking, I was oh, like, what are people? This dude is not. Pitt's had some legit guys come through there. <laughs> Baldwin was not one of those guys. Uh, so I, I like to take some risks in rookie drafts, and I feel like I'm going to take a little bit of a risk here, but I feel like he's the last top-tier player at his position. I don't want to say elite because I, I don't think he's going to be elite necessarily, but I'm going to take Mayer. Uh, I think he's going to be the top tight end in this class. He's likely going to be a top 15 draft pick. Uh, I've, I've, I've comped him recently and I don't necessarily love the comp, but he's, he's right around the same size. And I think he's going to have quite the same athleticism, but he's a better receiver than Austin Hooper. And I think if he ends up in an offense that will target him the way that he was in Atlanta, he could be a fantasy football machine for us at the position. But I think because of how developed he is, it's just an overall tight end that will get him on the field, which gives him opportunity. So I will take Michael Mayer. I thought I could get him with the next pick. I, I was, really thought you were going to take him there, and I was like trying to figure out who I was going to pivot to. So when you said wide receiver running back, if you go back and watch the play, you'll see relief come over my face. It's like, I'm going to get Michael Mayer. I, that's such a bummer. I've comped him to Zach Ertz recently. I just don't who, think he's – he's. I, 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 I guess. I, I, I don't think he's quite as athletic. I don't know. Maybe he tests oh, better he, than I think he will. but I think he tests better than people he, think he will too. Just saying, like he's not like he tested what four, he ran four seven four in high school four eight four something like that. He I don't I don't remember exactly. Slow at times on the field. He's he's, he's two hundred and sixty pounds. Oh yeah, I, I know, but whatever. What? But seriously, where you take him, I think is a perfect value. Yeah, like I would. I, I, 
I thought I just could get him at the next pick because I thought everybody else hated Michael Mayer now. So it's on me, and uh, I'm going to take the player that I believe who will get first round capital. Let me see, is that true? Um, yeah, I'm going to take the last the last skill position player that I think will get first round draft capital, and that's Josh Downs. Uh, I think Josh Downs can play um, inside. He can play outside. My only problem is is that have we seen these types of players, Tutu Atwell, Wandell Robinson recently, smaller athletic guys who just haven't really panned out. To I mean, even go back to Tavon Austin. I think that Josh Downs is better than all of those guys, and he tested as an elite athlete uh coming in at high school and and he is very versatile i mean he can break you down running a switch route he can catch the ball and take a hit over the seam um and so i think that he's gonna go between pick 25 and 32 in in the nfl draft because i think the nfl missed on tyler lockett and they don't want to miss again and i think that you know this he he that josh downs is on the tyler lockett spectrum so i'm going with josh downs at 12 and i know that that was or 11 and i know that was a good pick because i saw everybody's heads drop he was who i was deciding between at receiver for between him and Quinter. they have two totally different question marks on their profile that make them uniquely risky but i mean if you're getting them at, in the back of the first i think the upside is clearly there D- downs downs doesn't have the size and johnston doesn't have the production if you could yes. mesh them together, you'd have a top 15 pick guaranteed. What if you mesh them together and you get the bad parts? The small guy that doesn't produce. Just <laughs> got to be careful with your wishes, Felix. The monkey paw always taketh at the end of the day. Um, you did not give me an easy choice here. I think it's a very difficult decision between two running backs. I'm going to go tank over Sean Tucker, even though I, I like – Sean Tucker athletically a little more than I think I like Tank's, Tank Bigsby, and I actually think I like Sean Tucker's game slightly more. I think he's a slightly more well-rounded player than Tank Bigsby is, but I think the NFL is really going to like Tank Bigsby because he's a pretty good pass blocker. He's very physical. I He's the kind of guy that I struggle to ever necessarily, de- I mean, depending on situation, I, I think he's more of like a guy that you pair with a smaller back I don't know if he ever truly owns a backfield, whereas all the guys that went ahead of him, I think, can do that. But he's 210, or will be 210, or is 210-ish. He's he's pretty fast. He, he can run between the tackles. I think he's scheme versatile. Um, so all those things uh, factor in. I'll take Tank here. That I, that's going to complete the first round really quick. B. John Robinson, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Zach Evans, Jameer Gibbs, Kayshawn Boutte, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Jordan Addison, Quentin Johnston, Michael Mayer, Josh Downs, Tank Bigsby. That is a, a lot. I mean, you're talking about even with Tank Bigsby, I, I called him a rich man's uh, David Montgomery earlier today. You're getting and David Montgomery is an RB, two. That's very good value there at 12 at 12 at 12. Um, who's next? Chris. Uh, Chris. Yeah, I would have liked to get Michael Mayer here. Um, but I will take the player that I was initially deciding between, which is Sean Tucker. I think that he possesses a more fantasy conducive skill set than maybe Tank Bigsby does, which is why I have Tucker slightly ahead of him. I think Tucker probably tests in the four threes. He's extremely fast. He's extremely athletic. I don't know if he's a plus cast pass catcher, but I think he can absolutely do it. 
he he's not really operating downfield in the way that I think you'd want um, like a plus pass catcher in the Jameer Gibbs role to do, but he's certainly competent. And I think that he could definitely be a guy who sees uh, operates in a one, a one, a role in a backfield. I think that's pretty good for fantasy. I think he does go round two. And so if he goes round two, he's probably going to be a team's probably committing to him as their lead back. And so I like that aspect, even though I have been historically low on Sean Tucker, I think that the fantasy upside is there. And I think the NFL draft is going to be there. I think a little worried about his production so far this season, especially against teams that he should be beating up on before Wagner this week, where he absolutely crushed them. And he was hashtag pleased. Yeah. Uh, I'm Gia. I'm, just gonna take Marvin Mims. I don't necessarily love him as a player. Very kind of boom bust for me. But the one thing I do like about him is he's continually produced. I do think that he probably gets day two draft capital. He's produced with three different quarterbacks. Probably gonna do it with four. With D- Dylan Gabriel being out for a probably multiple games. I think the fact that Oklahoma's on the side of his helmet matters. Uh, can win short. Can win deep. I, I don't love the pick. I'm between him and a couple of running backs, but at this point with, with Sean Tucker and tank off the board, like again, I think a lot of these running backs all fit into one pod that I'm fine grabbing one later. I'll take a guy like Marvin Mims who could boom for me at the wide receiver position. Yeah. This player didn't start out at an Oklahoma. And so, you know, he's not as highly considered as someone like Marvin Mims, but I have him. I mean, they're very close in my rankings. I'm going to take uh, Jacob Cowing here who I think had some Elijah Moore in his game. We have very good speed times from him coming out of high school. Good, very good speed coming out of high school. Decent speed times in college, and he's been productive at two different programs. So give me Jacob Cowling here. He's someone that I've had my eye on for a while, and uh, I like this. We're up to Boston. Interesting. Not where I thought you were going to go. Um I'm debating if I have to do this or not. I'm I'm actually gonna stick. I'm gonna stick with wide receiver. A little bit of a run on receivers here. I'm gonna go Cedric Tillman, wide receiver, Tennessee. I am so happy that I'm pissing Chris off throughout. This is my only goal now. Uh, what would Chris do? Tillman's got NFL size. He's got NFL athleticism. I know that the nerds are going to hate him because he does not have an early breakout. Uh, honestly, didn't really break out till till very very late. But I. I think he's probably a guy that goes like around where Michael Pittman went. And I think we can see a similar type of progression from him in the NFL where rookie year, he doesn't do that much kind of getting acclimated to the NFL, kind of figuring things out. And then year two is kind of where he starts to make his ascent. Um, I like him here a lot. I think um, I, I I'm interested to see where he lands up next year. Uh, I like that. Absolutely. Um, for those watching on YouTube, you could have seen my reaction. I was, I'm just getting sniped left and right here, man. I'm going to do it. I, I, I'm going to do it. Kentucky quarterback, Will Levis. <laughs> that was my other wow. choice. Wow. That was my other choice, and wow. I can see why I went Cedric wow. Tillman instead. What are we at, wow. 205? Yeah, that's pretty good. Value. Hey, you know what? In the recent mock draft that just dropped, he went four overall to the Washington Commanders. So. He just went uh, first overall in CBS's draft, too. There we go. So I, I don't like Will Levis. I don't believe Will Levis is a first-round talent. I don't think I've ever seen him play as a first-round talent. I don't think that he is nearly consistent enough to be ranked over CJ Stroud or Bryce Young. I think that is classic overthinking it. 
But if a first-round quarterback and potential top 10 picks available at the 205, shoot, taking Will Levis. He's got the tools. Maybe he puts it together. Tools, tools, tools. tools. Uh, so I am, I'm doing tools. this just 100% for my good friend, Chris Moxley. Um, no. I'm taking Jaron Hall. Uh, who I also think is going to have a chance to be a first-round draft pick. BYU quarterback. You guys quarterback. are smoking. You guys are Look, messing I don't draft. necessarily disagree with you, Felix, but yeah, there's a lot freaking of people sleeve after this. There's a lot of people plugged in who think he's going to be a first-round draft pick. I think you could argue he's played the best out of all the quarterbacks listed in the QB3 range of the Tyler Van Dykes, the Anthony Richardson, the Will Levises of the world. Jaron Hall has played the best. He's got a massive matchup this week against Notre Dame. If he goes out there and plays better than what C.J. Stroud did in week one, you cannot tell me that is not going to hype him up even more. If he goes first round, again, same argument Moxley just made. You're getting a first-round quarterback at 2-7. I don't even care if he's not going to be good because I can turn around. Your whole argument on why Zach Wilson was a hit is because then you can turn around and sell him for more than you got him. I can turn around and sell Jaron Hall to Superflex for more than I just got him at a 2-7. What happens first? Jaron Hall gets his AARP card or Jaron Hall goes in the first round? First round. He's got one more year, I think, until they start day. emailing. That's a big day from it for yeah, him. It's, I so, think it's one more year before they email for AARP. So he'll he'll go in the first round. Will he be 25 or 26 at draft time? He'll be 25. He's 24 okay. right now. So he's one of the players at BYU who went on a mission for two years, I think, prior to enrolling in the school. So he is an older prospect. I think he's seven years at six, seven years out of high school. I always get confused with that number. I think it's seven yes. years now. Yes. Or just we'll, say it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. So, hey, look, Brandon Whedon went at 20, 28 years old to the Cleveland Browns. All it takes is one organization to make that pick. <laughs> I'm having a hard time here at pick 19 overall, and I'm picking between a couple of running backs. Look, this guy has been productive. He tests well. I need to go watch him see if he's actually a running back or if he, is he just an athlete, but I'm going to take – Texas A&M running back, Devin Achain. You know, I'm so happy that you went that route on the undersized running backs because I'm going to take Blake Corum at Michigan. I actually thought about taking Blake with my pick. I was fairly down on Corum coming into the year. He's never really owned the backfield, which in fairness to him, he's been there with some very talented backs. You wouldn't necessarily expect him to. But this year, he's looked really good. He's not five or he's not two ten, which is what Michigan's website says he is. But I think he is over two hundred pounds, and I think he can, he will be up close to two hundred five. He's a pretty good athlete. He can catch the ball, and he can get some tough yards. Like he is kind of that meatball, um, you know the the Ray Rice's or the the MJD's. Not quite that bulky, but he is in that vein. I like him. I like him. So I'm he's I'm gonna on, take he's on the mind. He's on the Mayan Williams spectrum. Is that what you're saying? I almost took Mayan Williams like eight picks ago, but then I remembered that he's not that good. I decided not to. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, Chris, Chris Moxley, you're back up. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just laughing. Um, there's a lot of different directions, I think, to go here. I think the board's pretty wide open. I think there's a lot of good running backs left. Uh, I got my eye on probably three or four of them. But I'm going to go a wide receiver here who I think is probably falling under the NFL draft radar in fantasy circles. Maybe not in the NFL 
draft aficionado circles. And that's SMU wide receiver Rasheed Rice. Uh, I think he's a guy who could get round to draft capital and be a productive player. Uh, he's been awesome this year for the Mustangs. He's had another big game as we're recording now against UCF. Uh, just a really impressive showing. And I think that he stepped up last year in a very crowded receiver room. And we saw those players get drafted sometimes a little too high in the case of someone like Danny Gray. But I think he's the best wide receiver to come through that receiver room in a while. So give me Rasheed Rice, who I think had, absolutely has day two potential and possibly round two potential. I can't wait to actually match these, this draft up with, um, you know, the, the ADP of rookie drafts once we get it here in April, May. Um, all right, Matt, you're so, here at pick the 22 yeah. overall. Pull, pulling back the curtain a little bit. This is my last pick, correct? No, we're going we're going to round oh, three. Okay, Go I wasn't sure because there's, there's tw- only 24 picks on there. Well, shit, that changes my mind. I thought it was my last pick. I was going to sh- take mine. Pull a Felix Sharp and uh, shot from deep. Uh, then I'll take Jaden Reed here, uh, wide receiver, Michigan State. Uh, curious if he comes. I think he's still got one more year of eligibility. He's missed a couple of games. He may not. I, I honestly don't know. It's it's very hard to keep track of with COVID and, and all that other stuff nowadays. But speed can be a deep threat. I think that matters for NFL teams. So I will take uh, – I mean, I don't really love anybody else here. I was going to go a running back, but I'll take Jaden Reed. Yeah, this is interesting. You know, I, I, I'm going to take a player that I was considering taking earlier. Um, I have some doubts about some players in this particular in this in this round. I don't have a a, a real doubt about Jaheim Bell. I think Jaheim Bell is going to test athletically. Um, I think that he's going to be probably this. Maybe he could be the second or third tight end taken. I think he's going to get relatively high draft capital for a tight end. So I. Bell here all the way down at pick what is that 211 211 mm-hmm. so Jaheim Bell Austin you're going to close out round uh round two yeah you guys are not leaving me a ton to work with here uh, there's, there's some good players left just not necessarily guys I wanted I'll go Kenny McIntosh Georgia running back mm. um has a pretty complete profile um noah hills was all over him this offseason as a guy that he thought was underrated he's been the leading guy for georgia this year even over somebody like kendall milton who is the more household name he can catch the ball very very well his receiving profile stacks up against most running backs to come out of college very favorably um this could be a situation where he is the you know the sony michelle the less heralded back at Georgia uh, with a bigger name that ends up going to the NFL and having a couple of good years. And I'm not comping him directly because not the same play style and Michelle's knees were shot, but you get what I'm saying in this scenario. Moxley. Uh, let me recap round two. I'm going to go real quick. Sean Tucker, Marvin Mims, Jacob Cowing, uh, Cedric Tillman, Will Levis, Jaron Hall, the quarterback from BYU, Devin Achain, Blake Corm, Rasheed Rice from SMU, Jaden Reeds from Michigan State, Jaheim Bell from South Carolina, and Kenny McIntosh from Georgia. We're going to close out with the third round here, Chris Moxley. Still a very strong draft. Yeah, I, I'm deciding between two running backs. Um, I think both offer different skill sets. But I'm going to go Zach Charbonnet. I think that mm. he's probably a uh, day two selection. I think that he can absolutely fill in and at some point in his career be fantasy relevant for a stretch of games. 
in the third round. I mean, I think that's kind of what you're hoping for. He could be a one B in a backfield with uh, maybe more of a prototypical receiver receiving back. So yeah, I, I like Zach Charbonnet, the running back at UCLA. Uh, so I typically go running backs here um, just because I want to fill out guys and in, in hopes that I can grab the, you know, Damian Pierce's of the world and everything. But I'm going to go one more wide receiver who's having a fairly good year this year. I don't necessarily think he's any worse than like a Deame Brown. And I think Brown went third round, fourth round, somewhere up there who's been, you know, has been injured but has been productive on the field. Give me Jalen McMillan. I think he's produced really well in Kalen DeBoer's offense. He can come out this year. If he continues to produce that well, I think he could be a sn- – Colin, Colin's not going to listen to this anyway. I think he could be a sneaky day two pick. So I give me Jalen McMillan. That is not Colin who I thought you were Austin. talking about. But who do you think I was talking about? Zay Flowers. I, I just don't know what the NFL is going to think about Zay Flowers. I thought about him here. I'm between three players, so Zay Flowers is one of them. There's a lot of good players left on the board. Um, uh, you, you, you guys in, on Campus Life have been talking about the Washington wide receivers forever, and I'm ex- happy for you here at the eleventh hour that they everybody get yeah something blind squirrel nut all that yeah Th- that is what's great about Campus to Canton is like I remember Jameer Gibbs first touch at Georgia Tech and like like just wanting to see him on the field and almost taking that kick return back against UCF. Just and, and three years passes like nothing, like nothing. I mean, we're, we're already here at the 2023 NFL draft, and it's going to be the same thing with this class of freshmen, with Nick Singleton and, 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 uh, and Luther Burden and Evan Stewart and these guys. And, I mean, we're going to be looking up, and Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be a top five rookie pick here soon. So The first right. class uh, I can remember like that is this Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins class when they were freshmen and they all broke out and we were like, we have to wait three years for this. That's That was forever ago. But yeah, it's, goes it goes fast. by quick. All right, we're here and I'm at the 303. And, um, you know, I... I'm I'm choosing between a few running backs, uh, but the reason why I'm going to take Mayan Williams is because I I think I mean it's nothing that I've never said before. The reason why I'm taking him over Deuce Vaughn over Evan Hall is because I think that he has the athleticism, but he can break through tackles, so he can break through wraps and you know arm tackles, and I just think that he could get, you know, third or fourth round draft capital and be a team's first and, and second down running back. I, I think that he can catch the ball also. Yeah, he hasn't been asked to do that a lot, but he got more catches than Travion Henderson on the season. So uh, I'm going with Mayan Williams. Oh, I mean, Deuce Vaughn is just too small. Evan Hall, he's only done it for really one full year. Uh, so I'm going with, and there's another running back there that I think p- has a similar play style, but I think Mayan Williams is going to have higher draft capital than, than that G5 running back. So I'm going to take Mayan Williams here, 303. Mayan Williams is a player that I have five straight running backs that are next up here in my rankings, and he he was one of them. He was not the highest ranked, but um, yeah, I get it. Uh, actually, six straight running backs. There's so many running backs left here that I'm going to shift away from the position for a second. And I cannot believe that this player is still sitting here. 
because we all assume he's going back based on what he's done so far this year. But in the third round, yeah. how can I not take no, Anthony no, Richardson? you're not taking Anthony here. Richardson, no, because we don't think Anthony he's going back. You cannot do that. If Anthony Richardson's coming out, he's going to be a first-round draft pick. He's going to be a first-round dynasty rookie pick. You cannot take Anthony Richardson here in the third round. That's just okay. not realistic. Well, Okay, well then, I, this is a, the rest of this is under protest. Whatever happens after this happens, um, fine. If I can't do that, then I'm taking Darnell Washington. I'm not giving you any analysis except for he's big and he's fast and suck on that, Felix. That's better, Darnell Washington, the tight end from Georgia, who could probably play left tackle. Uh, that's a more realistic pick. Yeah, you gotta yeah, go, Anthony Richardson in the I, third round. Anthony Richardson would not make it past pick like eleven in a dynasty rookie. I don't love Darnell Washington's game for what it's worth. I still think he has a lot of holes in it. But in terms, like if we're just shooting for upside at this point, like it's hard to hard to argue with that in a tight end premium. I would take him over Jaheim Bell. So, I have I had all my players listed here, right? And Darnell Washington was the next player available that I liked. Um. I want to go back and forth. I really don't want to take this player because I think I don't think he'll I think he'll be available at my next pick, but I want to make a statement. So I'm gonna take <laughs> uh, fine, I'm, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna take South Dakota State University tight end Tucker Craft. That is a great pick. I guarantee you Felix and Austin have no idea who that is. Oh, I do. I just <laughs> Okay. He's not on my list. I wouldn't have taken him. Oh, like, I like it's take. my it's my fault. Not like that. Not to my bad. Not a you bad. I think he is the second tight end drafted in this draft. I think he's the number one player in camps. You can't in supplemental drafts. Uh, big tight end, six five, probably two fifty five, two sixty. Uh, good route runner. I think he's honestly he's kind of similar to Michael Mayer. I don't think he's the same like the athlete that we're looking for, but I think he's very solid all-around player. I think that an NFL is going to fall in love with him, and he's probably a top 45-50 pick. And and so I'm getting that value late third of it in a tight end premium. I'm all over it. And I, I have him, Darnell, and another tight end over Jaheim Bell as well. I'm very worried about mm. Jaheim Bell. He's yeah, 230. He's 230. Like, he's so yeah. tiny. Those H-backs scare me. Yeah, where, where do they play in the NFL? He also hasn't been good this year. At all, well, I'm just I'm just really concerned about that offense had five different starting quarterbacks last year, and he balled. So I just wonder what's going on with Jaheim Bell. I like that. I was really hoping actually I could get him with my last. I protested to have him put in our 2023 uh, top 30 players, and I was shot down by the rest of our NFL draft team. I'm I'm not happy about it. I don't have as much pull around here as I thought I did. Uh, I am taking my deep shot here because I do not think that this running back is any worse than Damian Pierce, who got drafted fourth, early fourth round. Uh, good receiver. While he looks like he is aged 50 years since being in college, he's dealt with injuries. I'm taking Raymond Davis. Or sorry, Ray Davis. I always go with the Raymond. Oh, that's not Ray where I Davis. thought you were going. Yeah, Felix was typing this. I was like, I don't think that's where he's going here. Who is, who <laughs> are you typing? I wasn't I'm looking at the sheet. Say. Can you no, see, you, can you see the show sheet, Austin? I can see it says Ray I Davis. I have it open. Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. I just put it in there. there. That's enough. 
Dwayne McBride was. Oh, no, I'm not going Dwayne McBride. No, Um, he's doing it. I mean, he did not have a great game against Alabama, but he's been very productive this year. He's top in a lot of these running back categories this season. I think if he does continue to do that against the SEC, I don't expect him to get day two draft capital, but I do think he's got who can get drafted in the fourth or fifth round and produce for you on your fantasy teams for a year or two. And getting him this late in the third round, I think is good value. All right. Oh, it is up to me. Can I take Rakeem Jarrett here? No, Rakeem there's no Jarrett. way he would be in the third Rakeem, round. You can't Rakeem, J- no, Rakeem Jarrett in the third round. I mean, uh, he's is that it? Okay, let's 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 back up here. Rakeem Jarrett, does he declare and enter the 2023 NFL draft? I think I think there's a good does. chance he goes back, but he's yeah, one of these guys that it seems like know. he would declare regardless like he's eligible he's going to be out former five star too so the expectation always was nfl which i think does factor in a little bit in some of these guys minds listen if rakeem jared declares for the nfl draft i i feel like he's either going to go day two or be undrafted like is he going to get drafted in the fifth round to be a special teams guy i just i don't He's a day two pick, in my opinion. He's just so athletic and has the pedigree. He, he should go before Rasheed Rice. He should slot in there. You just notice I haven't been taking any wide receivers recently. But I just got Rakeem, Rakeem Jarrett in the third round, baby. I So, well, we can ask at the end of the draft, but a very similar profile of a player is available here, and I wonder where he would go. Um. Oh man, there's a ton of interesting options here. Actually, I'm just gonna stick at running back because I have so many running backs here. Oh, man, I'll go Kendry Miller, but realistically, there's mm. a pool of about there, there's still a pool of five running backs here that I love. Hyper efficient, can catch the ball, uh, produced on par with Zach Evans when the the duo was together the past couple years. He's if eligible. He's another became, guy I think goes back for the record. If he became an RB two, would that sh- that would that be shocking? No. No, no, I don't think so. Do you know how easy it is to be an RB2 in the NFL? That's true, right? <laughs> it's like beating a tight end 10. Like, so, not that high of a barrier, especially because these guys get so banged up uh, in any given year. If he produced equivalent to whatever you think of David Montgomery, would that surprise you? I don't think that it would. So I think Kendrick Miller kind of reminds me a little bit of Marlon Mack. Mm, Those are kind of okay. my expectations for him in the NFL. Personally, it's hard for me to gauge that because Marlon Mack is, you know, he had some severe injuries. Yeah, but he was good his first couple years in the NFL, and he was pretty darn good at what UCF, I believe, is where Marlon Mack. USF. USF. Damn it. Every time. Yes. He was, but at similar players, in my opinion. So I think he could have some good. The craziest comp on player profiler, Marlon Mack, Todd Gurley. I just never. I was like, I don't get that one. I do not get that one. I it think had to be before Todd Gurley. It had to be before Todd Gurley was like a star, though. They were like, well, that's, that's Chris bad. Moxley, you got your last pick here. Am I allowed to give honorable mentions that I didn't pick? Wait yeah. until we get to the end. Yeah, yeah do you want me to wait to the end? end? Okay. Yes. I'll wait, I'll wait till we get to the end. Uh, I got to go Deuce Vaughn here. Yeah. Mighty Mouse, I get it. He's just so electric. And if any player is going to overcome this size, I think it could be him. I think there's a long shot, but he's just, he's incredible. If he, if he, 
if Deuce Vaughn was 20 pounds heavier, I think we'd be having a very serious conversation about him in the second round or, or early third round of the NFL draft, even at like 180, 190. I think that we're having that conversation. He's just so tiny, but getting him in the late third, I, I like it. Uh, like he's a lead pass catcher. There's just so much to like about his game. Elite producer, just tiny. Uh, yeah. So my last pick, I'm going running back again. As I said earlier, I like to grab running backs because as Austin just mentioned, it's very easy to hit RB two, um, in the NFL. I'm going with the guy who already has uh NFL size. He's been producing kind of surprising and go here. Mox, you think I know who I'm taking? Who am I taking? Are you taking Dwayne McBride? I am not. Israel Vonaconda. Oh, I, I, I probably could have taken him over Ray Davis. Uh, I, he's been very productive for Pitt this year. I think he's going to continue to be the lead back with how good he's looked. I mean, down game last week, but Pitt all in general had a bad game and bad weather. I think Abanaconda could be a sneaky good pick. My problem with him is I think he has to go to a team that runs a lot of zone. I think That's he's fine. a one he's a one cut kind of stretch runner at least um, at his you know, optimum usage. We would hope that an NFL team would draft him for that. Like if the Dolphins took him in the third or fourth round, he could compete for touches in that backfield. I think yeah. that'd be a great landing spot for him, a team like that. Yeah. I really want, I need wide receiver help. And so I'm always looking to see where I can go. But um, the two of the wide receivers that I have left, the highest ranked, I think that they're going to go back. So I'm going to go Evan Hall here. Uh, and Texas guy who's having a good breakout here who has adequate size and pass catching ability. I'm going to take Evan Hall here with my last pick. I have three back. I'm between three running backs here um, and Parker Washington, but I'm not going to take Parker Washington. It's pretty surprising that he's That's, not going here, but he's been so bad this year yeah. that. Um, right. I, that I was, was my wide receiver pick. So my the two running backs, since I'm the last pick, I'm going to toss out my honorable mentions while I'm talking here. So the three running backs I'm basically between here are Jabari Small, who I'm, I'm pretty high on from Tennessee. I, I like him a lot. EJ Smith, the running back at Stanford, and then Chase Brown. I think EJ Smith almost definitely goes back because he suffered that back. wrist injury. I think he has to. If he had put together a full season here, I think he would have moved on to the NFL. Small, I think, will go back as well, but I'm not 100% sure on that one. Um, but I don't think Brown will. I think Brown will come out here. Um, I think he's an NFL athlete. I think he has NFL size. Um, pass catching chops are a little bit of a question mark because he hasn't done a ton of it, but I think that's going to be the Kenneth Walker debate all over again where it's just like the offense is not going to use him in that role. Um, and I think like at worst he ends up being a – well, at worst, I mean he does nothing. But like I, I think like the scenario for him is that he probably ends up working his way into like a timeshare. Uh, in a split backfield at some point, um, like a Latavius Murray-ish kind of career. That kind of feels like what maybe he could work his way into. Not comping the players, again, because Murray's like the best athlete ever. But, um, yeah. Who was the actual pick? I'm sorry, Austin. Who was the Chase pick? Brown, running back from Illinois. Oh, okay. So. Gotcha. So, that's right. Yeah. You want to list your honor or – Oh, I was just gonna say I would have taken EJ Smith like in round two, but I I figure he's coming back. I think he's he's that good. Yeah, let I'm gonna I'll I'll do my honorable picks. Um, I think Luke Musgrave, tight end out of Oregon State, probably ends up going round three if we think that he is the type of athlete that we think he could be. Same with Sam Laporta, the Iowa tight end. I think he deserves to be in that conversation as well. I was 
close to taking Dwayne McBride a couple times. I personally would take him over Chase Brown. I think that he, but I don't think he declares is the problem. Like, I think he probably goes back mm. as a fourth year player uh, or is a, he's currently a third year player. I contem- I contemplated taking um, some of the quarterbacks as well. I, I think Hendon Hooker is a pretty interesting option. If we think that he's going to be a backup and he's a guy that, you know, you want to maybe get his spot starts from, I probably regret not taking him, but I, I think DJU should have gone as well. Just if we think that he's seeing the rebound he that he's back. getting. I think he goes back. It's the only reason I didn't take him. Man, if he continues the season that he's having, he's definitely going to declare. But that, that's the assumption that you have to make. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and then the one guy that I, I kept, like, wanting to take, and then I was like, oh, I could wait, and then was Dalton Kincaid, uh, the tight end at Utah. I think he could be a tight end, too, in this class as well. He's really a good pass catcher. He's probably, he could be the best pass catcher in this class. He's really, really good at it regardless. Um, and I think, I think he possibly has the highest NFL upside of any of the tight ends in terms of fantasy scoring, but I don't know where he goes. Here, draft. here are some names that we, oh, here are some got, names that we did not say tonight. Who, who um, else did you like real quick, Matt? Before, uh, well, I mean, Travis die, Nathaniel Dell, just cause I think he could get drafted and be something there. Um, Damn it, who's he? Miles Price, but I don't know if he comes out. And then I, my quarterback would have been Jordan Travis because of how good he's looked. I don't know where he gets drafted, but I think he's got backup quarterback. Like he could be a sustainable backup quarterback for a long time. Yeah. So I was gonna uh, Nathaniel Dell, a name we didn't say tonight. Uh, Zay Flowers goes undrafted. Um, Lou Nichols. A lot of people think Lou Nichols can go from G5 to being an NFL draft pick. He was not drafted. Um, Kendall Milton. Kendall Milton. I think he returns. Not, not drafted tonight. Yeah. I, I think it's possible, too. Eric Gray still out there. He could come out. Uh, Jace McClellan is 2023 eligible. Not that he would come out as a backup. Um, so there are a lot of uh, – Mo Ibrahim. Mo Ibrahim. Did you mention Rashid Ali? I think Rashid Ali is a. He hasn't played it all this year, so he probably doesn't come out. But yeah, a lot of I people were drafted him pretty high in drafts. Uh, at the quarterback position, Michael Penix Jr. I think that he could potentially be a second or third round, probably not a second round draft pick. It feels like there's no point in taking a quarterback in the second round, um, but it could be a third round draft pick. Um, you already mentioned and, uh, Jermaine Burton. Jermaine Burton not select not selected. So Eric Gilbert. Eric Gilbert. Not even a whiff of he's him. not a draftable no prospect right now. Right. I Got have him. the utmost sympathy for whatever he's got going on, but an NFL team is not going to touch him. There's just that's a fact. Austin Stogner and Zach Koontz at tight end. I still don't know about Zach Koontz. Like he was on the athletic freak list. Yeah. He's a but, freak. Yeah. I don't take tight ends unless I think they're a sure thing. And for me, it would have been it have been Kraft and Mayer for me. That's it. If I had seen anything from Gilbert, he'd probably be in there. But, I mean, I don't know that. He he feels like an NFL supplemental pick. Yeah. That's what he feels like. But, well, I don't know. Uh, the next time, well, you can hear from us the rest of the week, campus 
or excuse me, Canton Bound will be later this week. Back to Debbie. Bet on C2C was released today. Are there any podcasts that I'm forgetting that are going to come after uh, the, the official drop the on official? Saturday, I think? Usually, yep. And then you can hear from us live on Better Sports uh, on Saturday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern. And call in. Call in. Download the app. Call in and talk to us. I think I can say this. Matt and I are – we have – Hustled some money away from Austin, and we are getting some jerseys, some jersey giveaways to our subscribers who do a couple of things for us. One of those things is going to be calling into the Better Sports Show. Uh, all right. And of course, you can always check out the content on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and the website itself. But that is going to be it for us tonight. Apologies to Kirk Herbstreit. We ran out of time. We will get him rescheduled soon for Austin Nace, Matt Bruning, Chris Moxley. I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck.